I'm just thinking back as we're talking about this to all the times I didn't make the call. I didn't do the thing. And I thought I was being the nice guy. I was just being a coward. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who shared their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Business Lunch. I am Roland Frazier, one of your co-hosts, along with the inimitable Ryan Dice. Ryan, what's going on? I just still sit around unable to be imitated. No, yeah. man, I'm, I'm I'm feeling great because we are on the other side of a really busy event season. And I feel like I love I love events. I love getting to hang out with our customers and clients. But man, there are a lot of work. And while that is the work that we do some of the time, it's nice to be on the other side of it and get back to the other kind of work that we do because they're so all consuming. I um, love the events. And I also don't hate when they're over. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a it's a nice relief. We also like we we came out of so we've been off the air of recording these for about five weeks because we uh, we had all of those events four in a row, followed by a three week vacation together, pretty much in in France. Uh, we went to all of the fun wine places that one might want to go if one was in Bordeaux. Well, us and our wives. I want to make sure we yes. don't start any rumors here. Yeah, us and yes. our wives. Along with our wives. <laughs> Roland yes. and I taking a romantic trip through France. <laughs> yeah, we had separate rooms. I mean, our wives had a room and we had a room and it was, you know, it was very nice. So that was really cool. And then we came back into two weeks of events in Austin. So so this is our, we're, this is like our uh, comeback tour, return tour. Anyway, lots back of stuff going on. Here. So we were trying to think about some some cool things to talk about. And one of the things we had been chatting about that we decided we would just do live here for you guys or unplanned is to talk about what's going on with Elon Musk. So Elon, uh, on a whim, kind of said, I'm going to take over Twitter and threw out an offer and signed a contract and then said, I'm not interested in that. And they said, the heck you aren't. And basically said, we're going to hold your feet to the fire. It looked like he was going to not really go his way in court. And so he decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And, And so he bought a $44 billion Twitter and there's been a lot of talk about how terrible a business person he is by all of the people who are writing articles who have never owned a business in their life. And so we thought that because we we share some views on this, we thought it would be interesting to talk about the good side of this. Like maybe he is making some decisions and maybe the guy who's the richest human in the world right now and also has started multiple game changing companies knows a thing or two about business. So uh, I'll let you start, Ryan, and we'll talk about a couple of things. I'd like to talk about the mindset. I'd like to talk about leadership. I'd like to talk about kind of moving forward with what you believe or know to be right, even when there's a lot of flack that's coming around you. I think those are three things that we could talk about because they there's a lot of good business lessons, I think, in what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, just setting kind of the the stage. I mean, he Elon came in and and yeah, bought this company for forty four billion dollars and kind of made that offer when the markets were still high. You know, it, it pulled back to I mean, not quite half, but obviously he he he's buying it for more than it's worth today, and he's buying a company that, if his tweets are to be believed, and 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 I have no reason to believe they're not, is losing about four million dollars every single day. And what I really respect about what he's doing is a couple things. One, he's being incredibly transparent. Right. And saying like, this is what I'm going to do and then actually doing it. And people are critiquing that. 
but then they'll also critique people who aren't transparent. So I find that part mildly comical. But when he said, I'm going to lay off 50% of Twitter's workforce, I mean, everybody got, you know, everybody's grasping for their pearls. How dare you? Well, the company's losing money. And, and and what I what I really appreciate, I mean, so a couple things on this. The decision that he made to lay every to lay these people off was a business decision. A lot of people are turning it into like, well, he's obviously just this evil monster. But no, he bought a company. It's no longer just out there spending other folks' money. Like it's it's his money, the money that he's raised from his investors. And he's like, I've got to turn this into a profit. This business is bloated, just like every other Silicon Valley business. This business is bloated, and so he's making a business decision to say. It doesn't have, there don't have to be this many people. And the reason I think that that's smart and just going to cut 50% is most leaders. So how does this apply? You're like, yeah, but I'm not Elon Musk. I didn't buy Twitter. How does this apply to me? Well, we're entering into what I think most would say if we're not already in a recession going into one. And a lot of, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure are going to have to make some difficult choices over the next 12, 18, 24 months, perhaps including a reduction in force, right? Needing to make a layoff. And what most leaders do is they try to figure out, they're like, oh, we need to cut. What's the minimum amount that we can cut? Like, oh, let's go ahead and cut 10%. Let's cut 10%. That's what they, oh, we need to cut 10%. And so they do an across the board 10% cut. And guess what? That doesn't fix it. And so they got to come back later and it's another 10%. And what could have been done in kind of one fell swoop very strategically, instead, because they were trying to be egalitarian and, and they were trying to be quote unquote fair, they made an across the board cut of not quite enough. So they had to keep coming back and making more cuts, more cuts, more cuts. They generally still wind up running out of money. Morale is actually way worse because they spread out the difficulties over time. They continue to create more angst of the people like, oh, is there gonna, is, when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the act, next axe going to fall? Elon just went in and said, look, it's, it needs to be 50% less than it is right now. Let's decide where the 50% are going to come from. So he understood where, what does Twitter do at the end of the day? We're a software media company. Okay, who are the people in this organization who are creating the value? What's the programmers? So he cut 50%, but he cut like very few people from the, the programming team. Got a whole lot of middle managers and people who are just kind of pushing stuff around. So again, you can say it's mean, but that his job ain't to be nice. This ain't show friends, this is show business. And he's got $44 billion on the line. So uh, to me, I think it is a lesson in if you have to do a reduction in force, this is how you do it. You should cut more than you think. You shouldn't do an across-the-board cut. You should cut strategically into the areas that aren't directly impacting the customer value. So I think just from the outside looking in, just what is basic business 101, good good leadership in, in a crisis practice, you know, A+. Plus. A+. Plus. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, one of the things that I was seeing is that there, there, there are articles now that are, that are like, well, but then immediately the like the next day and during the same weekend friday they got this notice let's say then sunday the people that were their managers were on the phone saying you know hey we actually want you back and so that that it's just a you know a total cluster and it's a lot to do think about yeah. having thousands and thousands of employees and having to make a decision like that because you're burning for you know four million dollars a day is a lot to burn especially when it's your money and um you're, I, I just think that it's going to be chaotic. Like you can't sit around for 60 or 90 days to do a study because that costs you hundreds of millions of dollars to do. So yeah, what, like, what would that be? $4 million a day. Yeah. 4 million know? would be what? 120 million a month. So that'd be one, two, 360 million. million. Yeah. A quarter billion dollars. So 
to have some disorganization and have some some turmoil as as a result of trying to take action or taking action fast and then saying oh no we actually we actually are going to need this i to me that's like good for you and i think everybody did okay in that deal because they all got paid more than the company was worth the company clearly had ridiculously bad management for years and needed to be shaken up so good job with that and then i think the other thing is is what I, I have seen him doing is... Oh, can I tell a quick story, Roland, that people yeah. might appreciate on the just the... Because the, I, I think it's important to talk about the, the bad side. We talk a lot about business scale and growth and all this stuff. But look, the reason that the the reason the reward is there is, is because the risk is there too. And you and I have, a, have a, a mutual friend. He's a CEO of... I don't know if they're valued at a billion dollars, but they're, they're definitely... They do well over a hundred million in revenue. So probably, if not a billion, pretty close to it. And some years ago, they needed to do a reduction in force. They had overhired. The growth wasn't there. And so they needed to go and, and lay some people off. And this, you know, this is pre-COVID. So everybody was coming to the office. And essentially, people got notices that, hey, we're going to have a company meeting. Some of the folks were going to go in one room and a bunch of the other folks were going to go into the other room. And basically, all the people who were in one room were told, hey, unfortunately, today's your last day. And the people who were in the other room, you know, were told, Hey guys, you know, I've got some bad news. You know, we're having to do a layoff. If you're in here, it means your your job is secure, you're safe, you're fine. But unfortunately, in the other room, you know, some of our friends and colleagues are being told that they no longer have a job. And really bad, really brutal. Obviously, everybody's going to come out of these rooms and they have to deal with the reality. What he was saying, he's like, there were about a half a dozen people who went to the wrong room. Right. And so some of the folks went into the room, thought they were fired and they weren't. Some of the folks went into the room, thought they were safe. And it turned out, oh, no, I'm sorry, your job isn't here. And he felt awful about it. But they were literally, you know, this company had, uh, I want to say five or six hundred employees at the time. Yeah. And so, look, it's not always going to be perfect. And and if as a CEO, if the reason you're not making a decision yet or the reason you're stalling to make a decision is because you're waiting um, for everything to be perfect, You'll never make that decision and your entire company will go down. You're going to have to make difficult decisions. People will get hurt. This is one of the challenging aspects of, and this person, again, I know cared deeply, felt awful about what happened, felt truly, truly like wretched about it. He called me like just about, guy, you won't believe what I did. I'm near, near crying. Now I don't expect anybody who got laid off to have sympathy for this guy because he still had a job and saw his equity and all that other stuff. But if you're a CEO, if you're the founder of the company, this is what you're signing up for. And it's not always fun. It won't be perfect. And people will absolutely criticize you. And that's your job to sit there and take it. Yeah. And along that line too, we we just had our Get Scalable Live event in Austin and we had Marcus Lamonis. And in talking to Marcus, he did actually go into tears saying he had to let, I think it was five or 600 people that he had to let go. And he he is, of everyone I've ever met, the most generous and interested in the welfare of people, he measures his success by literally the growth in what he's able to pay his people, what they're able to take home. And so, you know, another guy that really cares, but he'll also tell you, you know, look, I'm a capitalist and my duty is to do for the shareholders and for the company, the thing that is in the best interest of earning profit in the company. I can do that while taking care of the, of the employees and the customers, because I believe those things are truly in the best interest of making a profit on a long-term basis. But you have to make hard decisions when you go along. And if you, if you don't, then bad things will happen. So, I mean, you won't be there to be able to help them, which is, which is like, it's kind of a do it now or do it later. 
So you might as well do it now and, and continue to, to keep the value there. But the thing that I liked about all three of those situations is that there's lots of people that are going to point fingers at you and tell you you were wrong and you're evil and you're bad. And that's just part of being an entrepreneur. And so part of leadership is being aware that you will be criticized and that there is no thing that you can do that will make everyone happy. There will be, if you do good things for your employees or, and maybe in this situation, you keep them on longer than you should, then the shareholders should criticize you. And if you let them go too soon, the employees will criticize you. The media just enjoys criticizing everything. And, you know, most of the people that write those articles, like I said, are broke and have no businesses themselves. So take that media grain of salt. Um, but the other thing is to me, the mindset and the mindset is that if you go into difficult times, if you go into the things that we're about to go into and you see that you need to make hard decisions like that, then your job, your mindset has to be that there are going to be some things that aren't pleasant, but that ultimately my concern is going to be for the health of the company and the ability to keep going. So I think that like that mindset of I'm going to have to do things that are hard and then followed by there will be many critics to tell me why what I did was wrong to second guess what I did or just to point a finger without any reason other than to sell their publications. And you've got to brush that off and know that in your heart, you're doing the right thing. And if you, if you do that, then I think it's easier to make those decisions. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm just thinking back to, I mean, damaging admission time, right? I'm thinking back to the times when, when I, I didn't make the difficult decision or I didn't have the difficult conversation. And the excuse I gave is that I was being kind, right? I was being kind to the person. I don't have it all figured out. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not taking the responsibility of this. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not you know, putting, you know, the, the team and the people first. Right. And, and so I delayed making a decision and, and I called it kindness. Really, it was cowardice. Right? If, I, if I'm really being completely transparent, we will couch, we will use kindness as an excuse for not making the decision we know we need to make. And, and instead we wind up just delaying the inevitable and those people wind up hurting anyway. And we weren't honest with ourselves and we didn't learn. And so don't convince yourself, like be, be really crystal clear on you know, during this season and during this time, because look, when everything's up and to the right, you know, it's easier, right? It's also when, when you get, get fat, right? Yeah. When, when things get tougher, though, and you got to start making tough, tough choices, be really clear on your priorities, right? And if you are the CEO of a company, even if it is yours, right? If you are running the company, even if you're the sole shareholder, right? You're still you know, your primary responsibility is still to that shareholder, which is you. So take off the CEO hat for a moment and say, what would you want somebody else to do if you simply owned the equity in this company and the feeding of yourself and your family and all the impact that you want to make, not just now, but for future generations was at stake. What would you want that CEO to do? And then put your CEO hat back on and say, okay, what's the right thing for me to do, even if it hurts, because that's my job. Right. I, I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm here to do. And definitely I'll tell you, if you're the CEO or a manager at a company and you've got other partners, you got a fiduciary responsibility to do the right thing. So none of this, like, oh, I'm going to delay out of, out of kindness. I feel like there's been so much, you know, we, we made it to where the primary purpose of companies was to make employees happy and to elevate, you know, the team. We got to get over that crap. All right. Yeah. That, that was, that, that might be a, a nice thing to be able to do when everything is great, but that is not the purpose of a company. Unless all the shareholders decide that's the purpose, in which case call it a nonprofit. Right. Okay. I say, like, that's, you know, that's all. If, if, you're, if you're not going to be profitable, at least get the tax advantage for it. So, so yeah, I, I just, that's, I, I'm just thinking back as we're talking about this to all the times I didn't make the call. 
I didn't do the thing. And I thought I was being the nice guy. I was just being a coward. I love it. Awesome. So that's our show for today. Just wanted to kind of talk about some of the things that we saw in that. I think there's some good lessons to take from what's going on with with Elon Musk and the Twitter acquisition. And we wanted to share that with you, particularly because we are also evaluating those things. We have lots of friends and lots of clients that are evaluating things like this as well. So if you found this helpful, please share it with somebody else. We would love for you to just pass a link on and say, you know, hey, if you're going through this, these guys are talking about it and it might be helpful to you. Hey, before we go, though, let's make predictions. Let's go on the record. All right. What do you think is going to happen with Twitter? I, honestly, I don't know enough. So it's much more of a guess than a than a, an informed thing. But I, I would never count Elon out. Whatever, you know, I, I think I doubt that he would commit to going through with this just out of ego because it's a pretty significant part of his net worth that he's that he's investing in this. So you know, I'm going to say they're going to right size. They're going to first principles and go back and look at what makes the most sense. They're going to have some spectacular failures, but he's going to pull it through and it's going to become a profitable company. Yeah. I'm predicting that, that Twitter is going to become one of the most important media communications channels. And if they can bring in the payment side of it to where it's kind of the West's version of, of almost a, a WeChat, it could wind up becoming one of the most, one of the most powerful companies in the world. And I, I could be wrong, but like you said, I don't think he, he might've kind of dabbled into this on a, on a bit of a whim, but now that he's in it, I think you're, you're talking about somebody who placed win and I would not look for this to just be a little kind of side project thing. He was a power user of Twitter long before he ever, you know, looked to acquire it. And, and, and I think it's going to be, you know, people may not appreciate what he does from, you know, content standards and, and whatever. I'm, I'm talking about from a business perspective. I think it's going to wind up becoming a very important, a very powerful company. I think it's going to be within the next two years will go public again. And I think Elon and all of his investors are going to do very, very, very well. That's my prediction. Right. I like it. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go. On the record, we're uh, we're pro success of this of this Twitter adventure. So we'll see you guys next time on Business Lunch. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now and I cover the whole process 
in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. 